0: Wasn't that great? I bet you're wondering what I'm doing with these crackers up here. Food of the month for the uh, Central Louisiana Food Bank is prepackaged peanut butter or cheese or any of those kind of crackers. Would y'all write that down real quick? This is going to be our collection week coming up till next Sunday. And then it will be picked up the following week. So we would love for you to participate in helping out with the local food bank. This helps primarily pack the backpacks for the children. And now with school out for some of the summer food programs that are going on. So help us out. We would appreciate that very much. I'm going to set this down here. Also, I want to invite you to be involved in our youth ministry each summer Our youth go to Mission Fuge and do both a time of ministry, that's why they call it mission, and then uh, a time of worship where they're drawn together and enjoy teaching, encouragement, uh, some game time. It's a great time for our youth and they always come back with good stories of how God is working in their lives. Now what we try to do at Kingsville is not run this ongoing sort of fundraising organization where we're always trying to sell you something that you really don't need. Sometimes it's chocolate and you not only don't need it, it's not good for you or pizzas or whatever kind of thing, but what we like to do is ministry. And so we encourage you to sponsor our youth to go on their mission trip, to go to Mission Fuge. And the way that we do that is, in order for a youth to qualify for a sponsorship, is they have to put in 60 hours of ministry through Kingsville Baptist Church. Because we think it's more important for them to be doing ministry than trying to stand in the lobby and sell you something. And so if you would give and sponsor, you're not only supporting the ministry they're going to do and the encouragement they're going to receive at MFUGE, you're sponsoring the ministry that they're doing right now. They're working VBS, extended Teaching care. They work helping us in lots of areas in the church. They serve in children's camps. Some of them just do ministry to folks in our congregation. So this is a great opportunity for you to sponsor local ministry and to encourage our youth. The sponsorship for one student for their camp is $460. You think, I can't do all that. That's fine. Uh, Any portion of $460 is still sponsorship. So be glad to give anything that God leads you to give. Some of you could support and sponsor more than one student. Join me and my family as we support a student. I hope your family will do the same. I am so thankful for times past that you supported my students when they were going into ministry. So I'm very thankful. Join us in that. I think you'll see good fruit from it. If you have questions about it, contact Steve Mears, and he'll be glad to talk with you about how that works. You can drop that into an offering plate or drop it off at the office, and down in the memo you can just put Mission Fuge or Youth Camp Sponsorship We'll be glad to get that. Join me in the text we read today from the book of Matthew, a beautiful text. We're in a message series called Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And as we've been studying together, we've been paying attention to how Jesus brings the love and the mercy of God through himself into the lives of People that need him, which is everyone. This week and next week, we're going to talk about some early arrivers at the birth of Jesus. We won't do them in the order that uh, it actually happened. We're going to do them kind of in the order that I've selected from focusing on the book of Matthew first. and next week, we'll jump to the book of Luke. We'll look at the shepherds. We're looking at the magi today in Matthew chapter 2. So if you'll join me there, I want to mention a couple of things in regards to that. I hope that you were in Sunday school this morning. We really had a great time seeing how Jesus unfolded his ministry before his hometown folk to show that the ministry of the gospel in Paralleling the ministry of the prophets was a ministry that went beyond the borders of Israel, even calling the Gentiles to come and to worship Him. And we see that today in our text. These folks that Jesus had come in His um, early life to His sort of birth celebration were people that were not normally considered... The folks you would put on your guest list. If you had just given birth mom and you know that folks are going to come by and see you, you want to invite certain people. So you kind of break out the telephone and you start texting some folks. Depending on what level of privacy you're kind of into at that moment, I've found that Shortly after the baby is delivered and for the next day or two, mom likes it to be really kind of quiet, not too much hustle and bustle. So the visits are limited and then it seems to kind of open up from there. But there are special people in your life that you text, Dad, you do the same thing, and you're so happy about the birth of the baby that you're going to fire him and text say, we've had a baby, we are so excited, why don't you stop by, so and so will be a good time tomorrow at three or whatever, and just you're inviting people because it's such an awesome event. And you're careful in the selection of that group, who you're inviting specifically and specially, because the folks you're inviting are folks that there is a meaningful relationship with, there is an ongoing knowledge of them, and they're very special to you. And we're going to find out that God invites some really strange folks to the birth celebration of His Son. In fact, so strange that we had to, over the centuries kind of dress them up a little bit we've turned the magi story into the we three kings of orient are dressed them up very regally the catholic church assigning names to each of them and countries from which they thought that they came and as a result we've lost what's really happening in this text and the wonder of the universal nature of the good news of Jesus. I don't know if you've thought about what magi are. But they're not thought of in the Jewish community. Or even in the Old Testament. Or even in the New Testament other than this text. They're not thought of in a very kind way. Now basically they were people who were intellectuals. They studied They studied the stars, they studied natural phenomena, typically they were fairly well schooled, and often they had a little bit of standing because they would work in king's courts. They would work in government agencies as sort of wisdom speakers and maybe sometimes fortune tellers, uh, soothsayers, diviners, folks who would... Attempt to tell the future. And so when you look at the Old Testament texts. About these kind of people. You find out that. These folks were actually under a condemnation from God. Astrologers, fortune tellers, diviners. Were actually in the Old Testament under the penalty of death. The command was to stone them. And so when you. Arrive in the New Testament and you dress these guys up and do a little Hollywood thing with them. You make them look like they're the respectable, acceptable people that God ought to bring to the party, to the celebration, to the announcement of his son. But when you study the scriptures, you find that it's actually the opposite. These people would, under the normal circumstances of their profession, be under God's condemnation. The only other time the word magi is used in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 8. You run into a guy named Simon. And they just call him, with this same word, they just call him a magician. A guy who entertained people or um, earned his living through practicing what was called in the book of Acts in chapter 8, magic arts. And he was the guy that said he was a believer. And then when he saw the power of the Holy Spirit, he was so power-hungry That he actually wanted to pay to get the power of the Holy Spirit so he could do these things that the apostles did. And if you remember the rebuke that he got, said that he was in the bondage of iniquity. And so aside from kind of dressing these guys up in chapter 2 and the sensationalization of our Christmas programs, these guys would never have normally appeared on the guest list of a holy person. Because they would be considered unholy. Now, it's possible that these guys date back to the time in their school of thought, not in their actual age, but in their school of thought to the time when Daniel was actually appointed as the chief of all of the kingdom's uh, sort of magic men. Because Daniel had the capacity to do what? y'all remember what did Daniel do? He interpreted the dreams. It was astonishing how he could interpret their dreams. It was a gift from God. And so he kind of got the lead position in this group of people. So it's very likely that some of what Daniel taught, knew, observed, learned, had from God may have been passed down among a group of these learned men from the Babylonian kingdom and the Persian kingdom and then the Zoroastrian guys that came after that, that there may have been among that group a group of men who literally sought after what Daniel had announced when he was there. Now these men were usually of some standing, it's unlikely that they would have gotten the attention of Herod the way that they did. Were they not of some standing, were they not respected in some way, they may have been representatives of royalty, or just in their own right, having been men who had gained a standing through their work and their understanding, their intellect, and their abilities. We don't know. There's a lot of mystery behind that. But what we do know, we're going to share today. Number one, Jesus' friendship towards sinners is revealed in God's revelation of Jesus to the Magi. We don't know how they found out about the king of the Jews. We have an idea that maybe that's what trickled down from Daniel being there in the Babylonian kingdom and then following with the Persian kingdom afterward and maybe some of the same school of thought being taught by Daniel and then that spreading out with maybe even some intermingling of Jewish heritage. Perhaps someone who was from the Jewish bloodline, had married into this family and was carrying out some of the seeking of the Jewish law and its understanding, we don't know. But we know that God did something. God is a God of revelation. God wants people to know him. And we've talked about how much he wants people to know him. We've talked about how. Through creation and conscience and through the Bible and Christ and through the church, God has made Himself known so that people can know Him accurately and personally, savingly and intimately and eternally. We know that that's what God is about. We've been learning about how He is doing that. And through knowing Him, people grow in His likeness. And then in growing in His likeness, they show what He is like. So God is a God of revelation. But He is specifically chosen These guys to show himself to. To reveal himself. They show up on the scene with one question. Look in chapter 2 verse 2. One simple question. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They were looking for Jesus. How they would know this, we don't know, but we know that it comes through the revelation of God. Remember when Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says to the disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they give that list of all those different people. And then he says, Well, who do you say that I am? And Peter blurts out, Power to the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, Blessed are you. Simon, son of Jonas, for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father who is in heaven. So what we know is that God chose a group of pagan, magician, astrologer, intellectual guys to go to them in some way whether by way of them possessing the Scriptures, whether by way of them having received the traditions through Daniel and his teaching, whether by way of Judaism that they had been studying, God chose to reveal His Son in such a way that they would know the next verse. What's the next verse say? Look in the Bible. For we have seen... His star in the east. And so here is God doing something specific. He is, in the very first instance in Matthew, in the announcement, he's announcing his son to pagans, to Gentiles to those who otherwise, by practice of their magic arts, were actually under condemnation. This is great evidence that Jesus is the friend of sinners. Number two, Jesus' friendship towards sinners is revealed in God's invitation to the Magi. It's not just revelation that they hear this through whatever means God possesses to give to them. Not just that he places this miraculous event in the sky. Now, there's lots of schools of thought on this event. The two ends of the spectrum are, one, a purely astrological event that could be observed. The other is a purely miraculous event. All the others are some kind of blending in between. There is a website that was passed on to me this week, um, called Bethlehem Star has a very interesting scientific um, has a video and some other presentations that show the union of a star with a planet, Jupiter being the planet, Regulus being the star, with these coming together and being a sign based on their name to even pagans that a king is born. However, God is doing this. He's using it to invite people who are far from him to personally meet his son. He wants these guys to look upon the baby Jesus. He wants these guys to understand him, to personally know him. He wants them. Them saved. So by His loving, incredible, supernatural revelation, using whatever supernatural means He chose and whatever natural means He chose, these guys know that the Son is born. That He is King of the Jews and that the heavens declare His glory. And so they come and they travel all this way in search of this king to meet him. We understand he's been born. But there's not just revelation and invitation. It's not just God making himself known and inviting people to him. There is an act of inclusion. I don't know if you've ever felt excluded from something or included in something. But one of the most intimate things that you could be excluded from or included to is the birth of a baby. There's nothing more bummer to me than getting to the hospital to see somebody's new baby and then to say, they're not taking any visitors now. Now, I know that there's times that that's the exactly perfect, appropriate response. But it doesn't change how I feel about it. I'm bummed. I wanted to see the baby. I want to say, hey, mom and dad. And so when I feel excluded, how do I feel? Do I feel good about that? I don't really feel good about that. I go, maybe they don't like me. Does that ever happen to you? You ever get a legitimate kind of thing you're not supposed to? it's, It's really, it's all legitimate. But what happens back in your heart where all that stuff goes on? You know, the stuff that really needs to be in the dumpster. You know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden you think, they don't like me, do they? They don't really want me to see their baby. I bet they're going to leave the church. I mean, all this stuff starts happening inside your heart and you're thinking, man. Well, there's a whole other side of it when you get that call. And somebody says, our baby was just born. Could you come by and pray with us? Man, I'm hustling up to the hospital. I will beat Wendy there. And I'm so happy and and it's just such a joy. And then, here's the good one. You want to hold him? Yeah. Take my picture, you know. It's just like, yeah, of course I want to hold him. What do you mean you want to hold him? Yes. And so it's very exciting. So this is intimate. God's son is born and he rings up the magi. From the heavens. And he says... Won't y'all drop in? My boy's been born. Is there any more precious invitation? And so the magi come, and they show up, and they say, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Herod's like, Who? King? So there's this inclusion. This is why Jesus calls himself, listen, Jesus calls himself the door because he wants to let you in. He calls himself the gate and says anyone can come in and find pasture. What Jesus is doing is he's kicking the door open to everybody. It does not matter where you're from. It doesn't matter if you're under the curse of God in the Old Testament. Jesus is swinging wide the gate and saying, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me and I know them. And I give eternal life to them and they shall never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. This is the God God. Of inclusion. I don't know what gospel you believe. Or you preach. But this gospel. Is a universal gospel. That invites no matter where you've been. Or what you've done. Jesus welcomes you. Affirms you. As made in the image of God. And invites you to a personal relationship with Him through repentance from sin and faith in Him. That's what He's doing. And so right here at His birth, God is setting it up. And here is the inclusion of the Magi. It's glorious. It's the first story of somebody seeing Jesus in the book of Matthew. This is what makes it so special. Matthew's writing to the Jews primarily, and he's saying, this is what our God is like. Our God is reaching out across the world. So he rings up the Magi, does it in an incredible way with this stellar event. And they know and they come. In Ephesians chapter 3, there's a reminder about where the Gentiles once were. I think it's good for you to maybe mark this text, ponder it later. Because it's about you. You're a Gentile. It's about you. Listen to it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4. And by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit, to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. This is why He invited the Magi. He just kicked the doors open and said, y'all, come on. Everybody is welcome to my son's birth. The Bible says that previous generations didn't know that you were welcome to Jesus. They didn't understand it. It was a mystery hidden in ages past. And then Jesus opens this door. Matthew makes it clear. Fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's how you got saved. Because the gate swung open. Because the door swung open. And God said, Who's going to come to our party? The first ones I'll invite. Will surprise all the Jews. Because they wouldn't think they'd be welcome. Let's invite the Magi. So they do. And so there's this inclusion in the gospel that is a glorious truth that ought to be preached everywhere we go. But more than anything ought to be celebrated right now by us. Every one of us ought to jump up and down right now and say, he included me. I was outside the door. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And he included me. I was praying this week in my stupid judgmental heart as I looked upon somebody and judged them and the Lord smote me in my heart and He brought before me how wicked I am. And I said, oh God, if you gave me what I deserved right now, you would have to hastily send me to hell. But you did not. You're here today for the same reason the Magi were there then. Because God has opened the door. It's a door of inclusion to sinners like me. Number four, Jesus' friendship towards sinners is revealed in God's redemption of the Magi, revealed in their worship of Jesus. These guys weren't casual visitors. I want to warn you on this one. If you are casually visiting Jesus, you're not a follower. He doesn't do Sunday visits. The Bible has called us to be worshipers. Look at these guys. It says in verse 2, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. (laughs) Now, no matter how elite these guys are or whatever they're standing, we don't fully understand, but in this moment, is humility. They have just said, I came. The word worship comes from the, the old idea of bowing down to a king's feet and kissing them. So when they use this word, they're serious. We have come to bow down to this king while he is yet a babe. We've come to worship him. This is the picture of a regenerate heart. God had done a work in these men. I don't know how he did the work. I don't know how they got all the information they got. But I'll tell you this. When they got there and found him, you can see that their heart was right. He says, we've come to worship him. Now jump all the way down to what happens. Verse 9, having heard the king, they went on their way, and lo, the star which they'd seen in the east went on before them, it came and stood over where the child was. So it's, here he is! (laughs) This is God directing a bunch of pagans with a miracle or some incredible event in the sky It's like it's flashing light. You know, you go by a restaurant and it's got this sign out front and it's got that arrow flashing. Here he is. And they come to the house where he's at. And look at this. It says, "And verse 10, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And when they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother, they fell down and they worshipped him. Now remember, this is not at the stable. Let me fix your manger scene real quick. This is not a stable. it's a the house. And they come in. These guys see this baby. And they fall down. I'm just going to ask you, when's the last time you were on your face before God? I mean, down there on your face in worship. Here's a bunch of pagan guys who have enough sense to get on their face in the presence of Jesus. Remember, in that one miracle where they're getting the fish, they get this catch of fish, and they have so many fish they can't deal with them, and the fish are filling up the boat and all that. And Peter falls down on the boat, on the floor of the boat, and he says, "Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man." When's the last time you saw Jesus that wondrous? These guys fall on their face, leaving behind all dignity, all pride. They fall on their face, and they worship Jesus. By the way, start getting into that, because I think that's one of our first acts in heaven. I think when we finally see Him... we'll finally understand how majestic is His name. These guys were redeemed. God's saving Gentiles already. He's saving sinners. He's saving magicians. He's saving diviners and soothsayers. He's saving these guys. And in mass, however many there are, we don't know how many there are, they fall on their face in the house and they worship Him. But notice that their worship is accompanied by more than posture. It says, and opening their treasures. Now, a lot has been made of all the different things, and I'm sure we could get into a great study later about that, and some Christmas we'll just dig into that. But here's the deal. Any worship of Jesus that hasn't gotten into your pocketbook has been false. Because we cannot worship Him. Apart from our stuff. And I'm not trying to leverage you with some kind of give me some money thing. Give your money to Jesus. He knows what to do with it. But here they fall down. And it doesn't say they open their money. or they open, It says they open their treasures. In other words, in light of who he is. There was no hindrance to just opening the treasure. It was befitting such a glorious king to give him what they had. So, this redemption touches them deeply in their hearts. They worship. They have joy, exceeding joy. They fall on their face and they worship him. They open their treasures. I really believe this. When Jesus finally gets us, our stuff will quit mattering. I don't know if we're there yet. I'm not. But I want to be it. When Jesus finally gets us, materialism will no longer be a driving force with us. Jesus had these guys. and God gives us such a picture. Number five, Jesus's friendship towards sinners is revealed in God's protection of the Magi. After their encounter with Jesus, God doesn't just leave them hanging. He appears to him again in a dream. Don't know what all they've got to guide them. I don't know if they have any scriptures. Don't know if they picked any up. I have no idea. But God says, I'm going to talk to these guys in a dream. And make sure they know what the plan is. They need to scoot. They're in danger. So He protects them. And so it says that, verse 12, And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. The sun was in danger. The Magi were in danger, so they, they cut out. God loved these guys enough to appear to him in a dream. God's never appeared to me in a dream. I know He loves me. The cross tells me He loves me. He's never appeared to me. I've asked him to. I've needed to know some things. I needed to do, and boy, did I want him to, you know, appear to me in a dream and tell me exactly what I'm to do, you know. A dream doesn't happen. Uh, I mean, you even eat Italian food or Mexican food trying to get the dream. Do you ever have pizza dreams? Okay, I've had some wacky stuff go on, and I'm glad those weren't from God. But I've prayed, God, appear to me in a dream. Please give me some direction here. Nothing. God loves these guys. Shows up to them in a dream and says, This is the way to go home. He's protecting them. He knows evidently they're going to take this news home. Can't you hear? They show up at home and say, what y'all do this week? Well, we worship the baby. You guys worship the baby. Yeah, he is the king. And he deserves our worship. We gave him our stuff. Really? They may have been some of the first missionaries. I don't know. We don't know anything else about them. But we know God protected them. We're going to close with number six and, and ponder something that we need to think about together. Jesus' friendship towards sinners is revealed in the rejection of Jesus by Herod. Well, how does that work? you see that herod is troubled and all of the nation is troubled because herod was crazy you can go and read about him and how crazy he is it's not a very hard internet search to find out a little history on him he was nuts and whenever he got upset about something the whole city was troubled because they knew he would act irrationally and he did He acted irrationally. And he killed every baby in the area of Jerusalem, I mean, of Bethlehem, two years old and under. I don't know what that's like. Could you imagine every two year old and under in Pineville dying today? At the hands of our police. Could you imagine the wailing in our city? The funerals? The confusion? We wouldn't know how to handle that. This is a madman. But hear me carefully. And this is... The last part of number six. Jesus will always be at odds with the oppressor. This is why an abusive husband won't come to Jesus. This is why a power-hungry person refuses him. Because Jesus is always at odds with the oppressor. He will never give aid and comfort to the oppressor. He offers salvation. But the oppressor knows that in light of Jesus, there's one issue. Listen carefully. Every one of us here are in a posture right now. Where we are either like the Magi, enthroning Jesus In our hearts. Or we're like Herod. And we are dethroning Jesus. In our hearts. Because we don't want him. To be king. He's a threat. And we may not be murderous like Herod. But we are no less offensive to the king. And we're either busy right now wanting to enthrone and say, Oh, King, come and reign over my sinful heart. Or we're saying to Him, I dethrone you. You have no right of rule in me. I'll have no part in you except to pretend just like Herod. What did he say to the Magi? Oh, hey guys, when y'all find him, <clears throat> come back and tell me because I'd like to worship him too. There's a lot of folks in churches acting under pretense. You're here and your heart's not like the Magi. The idea of bowing down and kissing the feet of Jesus in absolute Abject humility is far from your intent. You'll dethrone Him again this morning. You'll dethrone Him next week. You'll dethrone Him next month. You'll dethrone Him next year. But I'll tell you what. God's going to enthrone Him for eternity. The Bible says this. That there is a day when everybody's going to follow the Magi. Because every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord. What's your posture today? Are you enthroning or dethroning? The Magi were so happy to have a king. Are you? Would you bow with me? I want to to preach to you the good news. Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am foremost. That's what he did. And his dad invited some pretty suspect characters to the birth. Because he loves suspect characters. Because we're all suspect. And right now, here's this beautiful news. You have offended God by trying to dethrone his son. That's a big offense. It's called sin. But God loves you. And he wants to give you through his Holy Spirit and through his word. Through this good gospel, the power to dethrone sin and self, and to enthrone Jesus, because Jesus died for your sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried. And on the third day, He was raised from the dead according to the Scriptures, and He was seen by His apostles, by over 500 brethren, before He ascended to the right hand of God, where He sits right now, busy working, praying, interceding for you and me who have followed Him and beckoning those who haven't, those who are dethroning. There's a lot of Herods out there. Maybe there's some in here. And this morning your heart would be changed. And you would turn from your sin, yourself. And you'd turn to Jesus. As He died for you in love, He was raised for you in victory, He now intercedes for everyone who would turn and trust Him. And I'm inviting you to do that today. To leave here in a disposition of enthroning Jesus as King in your heart. Would you do that today? Pray with me if you're ready to make that commitment. Dear God in heaven, I believe this gospel. I believe that Jesus is your son and he died for me I believe he was buried and raised from the dead just like the Bible says and because of that I place my faith in him and I turn from my sin and I believe this good news save me oh God save me well the Bible's clear to you who just prayed that with your heart With your life, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But that is to be rejoiced openly as the Magi. Not hiddenly. To follow Him in believers' baptism. To identify with the local church. That is Jesus' command to you. Some of you, you came in here today and you were struggling in this area. You're a believer. But just lately... You've been trying to run Jesus off the throne with some of your decisions. Decisions towards your family, your husband, your wife, your children, a friend who's hurt you. And you've been trying to dethrone Jesus and be disobedient. He won't have that. He's going to bring you as a true believer into discipline. I'd like to save you a lot of wear and tear today. How about you repent now and obey Him not later. Would you do that? Believer, would you make things right today? As God leads you in your heart, would you stand? Would you come?